had a life. I, I basically grew up in locker rooms, you know, uh, like football, basketball, track, baseball, locker rooms. That's a rough way to grow up. That's not the model you want your children to grow up with. Pressure, competitiveness, selfishness, pride. That's not who you want your kids to be, really. Now, that, not everybody in that field does that, but that's not true. Okay, so I wanted to talk about something. You know, I love this, uh, this reality, and I wanted to show that picture of a desert. You know, I'd never seen a real desert. Uh, I've seen them on television. I'd seen them in books, you know, when I was young. But I remember just a few years ago, several of us went out to Arizona because Gabe and Crystal Beatty were getting married out there in Williams, Arizona, and uh, we were going to do the wedding. I don't know how many people from Grace went, but we flew out there. And I was, you know, I don't ever let on I'm excited about anything, but I was sort of excited to get to see a real desert in life, you know, because there's a desert out there. And I had grown up here in Arkansas where it's the opposite of desert, where stuff's growing all the time. And, you know, a month, maybe a month or eight weeks out of the year, we have really dry brown things. But even then, things are still blooming and drive me crazy if you have allergies. And so I'm like, I'm going to go to this desert. And we, we land in uh, some town in South Arizona, Phoenix. Is that where we landed? Yeah, Phoenix, and then we get in a car, we rent a car, and we're driving up to Williams, which is in the mountains, and uh, we're going through the Sonora Desert, and it looked like this. It looked like that. I was like, it's blooming. I didn't come here to see flowers blooming. I came to see a desert, not green and not blooming. You know, and I, I'm like, I really did want to see that desert. And I didn't get to see the desert. I saw they had the biggest rain they'd had or biggest rainy time in 100 years. And everything in the desert was blooming, which was beautiful. It was beautiful. But that was what I'm normal. What's normal for me. You know, and the truth is, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about what we did last week and what you guys do all the time. Uh, we used to have a couple in our church that ran. Uh, and actually, there's some people still here that were part of it. We did treasure hunts. And uh, we sort of became known as a treasure hunting church because they believe, how crazy of them, uh, Jack and Helen Sites were, were running that, I think, uh, they believe that uh, there's treasure in everybody. Everybody. Like everyone has treasure that God has placed inside of them. And Jack and Helen had enough courage that they would go and they would go looking for people that God would show them what's the treasure inside. Who, who does God say they are? Who does God say you are? How does God feel about you? What's he think about you? And then last week, you guys were, because uh, the truth is, we all go through desert times in our life. There's times in our life when it's hard, when you can plow and plow and plow and plant and nothing happens. There's times in our life when the stuff we've invested in dies. What we care about doesn't live. You know, it's dry and dusty and it's unpleasant. And we all go through those times. Sometimes it's a season, sometimes it's a long season when life is hard. And I believe that's really true. And I think that what happens, what y'all did last week, which is absolutely amazing, was I asked for volunteers without telling you what you're volunteering for. And uh, it was sort of funny, Tommy, you were one of the first ones to come up. I'm like... 
were you never in the army? You never volunteer. <laughs> but y'all volunteered, and a bunch of you did, and it took a lot of courage. And then you didn't know it, you were going on a treasure hunt in here. And uh, God did amazing things. I've talked to several people who uh, had tears of joy and felt loved. And I believe not just the people that we were speaking to and praying for. I believe that you guys that stepped out on faith and said, okay, I'll do it. Even though you didn't know what it was. And some of you have never done that before. And you tried and you did it anyway. And Jesus showed up. And you got just as blessed as the people that you were talking to got blessed. Because God is good. I did love that new song, Lisa. I thought that was a great song. It's absolutely true. It's like we're, we're there's, there's, there's a battle going on. Listen, God, God knew about the desert, right? He knew about the hard places where the ground wouldn't crack, where nothing was being produced. And then in Isaiah, this verse is from Isaiah, and it's talking about during a time of war in Israel's history in Zerubbabel. But the truth is, it's talking about you. He's talking about me. It's talking about the strangers you don't know. It's talking about people that aren't here. They're just talking about people that are here. Everybody does it. He said, the wilderness and dry land will be glad. Will be glad. If you're in a desert, you don't have to stay there. Hi, Lexi. You don't have to stay there. I'm sorry. I don't want to pop your bubble. But you don't have to stay there. Because Jesus said the dry land's going to be glad. If you're in a desert right now, you know, you need to get his attention and say, Jesus, my land's dry. And then he said, the desert will rejoice and blossom like a lily. It will blossom profusely. That's the Lord's will. And guys, I believe that, that we were put on earth to bring life into dry places when it rains you know what happened in the desert I wanted to go see the desert and God said no I'm going to pour my rain out on uh, Sonora Desert this year and you know what the truth is God has planted things inside of you there's seed laying dormant inside of all of us it's there because of what he did it's there and what brings the seed to life the seed's going to come to life when it rains. You can't stop it. And God, what, what is the rain, guys? Like, Alan, that's one thing. Go ahead and tell me that, that I don't have to stay in this desert. But how do I get out of it? Like in real, how do you get out of it? Like, I'm really serious. You know, it's, uh, I'm really serious. I'm always serious, sort of. Uh, I'm the funny, fun pastor, remember? Y'all remember that. <laughs> I know I try to tell jokes and it, they never work. Um, how funny. Uh, okay, so you know what? You know, y'all guys, y'all have heard us talk about seed digging a lot, right? And uh, Shauna Burns took what we do. We call Freedom Prayer. She calls seed digging and she does it in a professional way and through therapy and stuff. And here's what Shauna wrote in her little, I picked this up. I was in her office a few weeks ago, and this is her little brochure that she has at her counseling clinic. And what a crazy statement. Seed digging, the rain, that's what 
I'm calling. That's what I'm saying. You need rain. Seed digging is effective against suicidal thoughts. What do you mean, Alan? Yeah. That's a desert. That's a dry area. Did you know that, that there is a way to get out of that? It's, a, it's effective against behaviors. It's effective against violence. It's effective against aggression and other emotional and behavioral health issues and addictions. And I believe it's true. I believe that God is a good God and He's provided us a way out of all of those issues that come from those dry places in our life. He's provided a way out. He has. And we're going to talk about that this morning. I want, to, I want to paint that picture of you of how do we get out of that. And then she gives testimonies on here. She said from uh, Fox 24 News up in uh, Springdale or wherever that is up there. Uh, a lady wrote, told the news program. They made a newscast about this. She said, I watched my child transform from session one. Her child was suicidal and I believe had several other serious emotional behavioral issues. And uh, then a little girl, she said, I don't cut my arms anymore like I used to. I like my life. What happened to her? What happened? Do you know that there's always a reason for every behavioral issue or every emotional disorder or every uh, pain? and suffering going on inside of us, there's always a reason. And God, God is good. He'll show us the reason. Uh, and He'll, He, Jesus, by His stripes, we are healed. And then uh, Trey, a 17-year-old, said, uh, I wanted to end my life, but I haven't had those thoughts in over two years. What happened? There was a reason Trey wanted to end his life. And when you bring light into the darkness, the light always prevails. So guys, uh, it's good news. So what y'all did last week, whenever you took a risk and went around and told people how, how we believe the Lord sees you, or however you wanted to word that, I believe God touched people's hearts and brought light into dark places. When the Lord speaks to me, something changes, and it doesn't stay the same anymore. And, and so I was, uh, how many of you uh, were blessed, like it really brought you life, it really God touched you and blessed you when you uh, volunteered last week and went around and uh, told people how God sees them? Raise your hand if you're one of those people. Okay, that's probably, yeah, pretty much all of you. It was a big deal, wasn't it? It's like you, it's like. God brought you life through that. Now, how many of you guys got to be on the receiving end of God how sees you and God blessed you? Raise your hand, please, if you don't mind. Yeah, almost an equal number. And uh, how many of you cried and blubbered like a baby? No, you don't have to say, you don't have to answer that. Uh, it touches your heart when it's the Lord. And guys, that's what we're here for. So I want to talk about this. How can this become real? What has to happen? Because it's true. We don't have to stay in the desert. Jesus has provided a way out of the desert. He prophesied it thousands of years ago. 
And he, he brings that into reality. Jesus wants to. He wants to reveal how he sees us. He wants you and I to have a revelation from him about how he sees us. How does he see your life? How does he see what you're doing? Does he approve of you or does he disapprove of you? Is he happy with you or is he unhappy with you? Are you purposely accomplishing your purpose in life or are you not accomplishing your purpose in life? Those are very important questions, I believe. And uh, here's the answer to those questions. I'll give you the answer before I get to the scripture. Uh, Every day, you and I are faced with the decision, with the choice. We can either see... And, and it's funny, what we choose, what we believe, what we trust will determine the outcome of our lives. It's that simple. It's so simple. Not easy, but simple. So here's the choice, right? We get to believe what Jesus has done We get to choose to believe what Jesus has done determines the outcome of our lives, which we receive through grace by faith. We can believe what He's done is more powerful. We can believe what He's done for us and is doing in us and through us is going to determine the outcome of our lives. Or we can believe that it's what we do that determines the outcome of our lives. One's living in the flesh by self-effort, self-will, self-determination. And the other is giving our flesh to Him by faith. There's only two ways to live on earth. And in the garden, there were two trees, right? The tree of life. The tree of life that, that is the life of God flowing inside of us, which only happens one way, through grace, by faith. God's power, God's initiative, God's ideas, God's thoughts, that when we, we, we uh, engage the power of God and the grace of God through one thing, faith, <laughs> not performance, not self-effort, not willpower, not working harder. There's just one way. And... Uh, You know, the kingdom, there's two kingdoms, right? It's the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. The kingdom of light operates out of love and is a free gift. Well, Alan, that's not the good old American way to do things. That's not even how we think as humans. We think we have to perform. Now, isn't that the silliest thing you've ever thought of? Like, actually, I didn't get, we have... Oh, we have a couple of babies in here right now. We have two babies, a girl and a boy. Um, you know, Tyler's going to show his off. <laughs> Yours is bigger than hers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the truth is, those babies don't have to do anything to have value and worth and to be loved. Nothing. They're doing the opposite of what you do to be loved. Like, they will poop on you if you hold them. You know? Now, where do we go from that to a place where I'm going to judge my value and worth by my performance? 
Or, I don't believe God's happy with me unless I'm performing this way or not performing that way. And God's value of me is, deter- I determine, I, ooh, you know what's really ugly? I thought of this the other day, it's ugly. I control God, that's the dumbest thing I've ever thought. I control God by how I perform. Ooh. That's that other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of performance. And guys, there's, there's two ways to live on earth. We can live by what he says, what the scripture says, what the spirit says to us through other Christians, what we see in heaven. We can live by that or we can live by the way of the world, which means if you have more money, you're a better person. What? <laughs> well, you know. If you're a woman, you're less than a man. No, those things are foolish. And we live that way. And then we, 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 the best way we can come across it is, yeah, babies have an internal value and worth. And they matter. And they don't have to do anything to make me smile. I'm smiling when I see them. I approve of them. And guys, it's like we live this way. You know how to get out of the desert? It's whenever we begin to live by faith. And so every day we're faced with this decision. Every moment of a day we're faced with this decision. Am I living by how I perform, how I produce, what I do or don't do? Or I'm living by grace through faith, by what he did, what he said, and what he's doing. And so if you're doing a ble- something that blesses people, like you guys that gave... Last week gave words that really touched people. And I think some of you gave words you don't realize how much it touched the people you gave them. Some people told me. And you don't realize it, it changed their life. And, and the thing is, that was God working through your flesh. You said, God, I'll try it. And he said, I'll do a miracle. You know, these testimonies I read from the seed digging, Shauna's deal, it's, it's, she, seed digging is the same thing. She just doesn't call it that because she's working in the public sector, you know, and, uh, but it's the same thing. She's telling children who Jesus says they are. She's telling children who the scriptures say they are. And she's enforcing that. And then the Holy Spirit takes that thought and empowers that kid. And a kid who was cutting themselves and suicidal and doing all this stuff. Now, from the inside out, they're not being controlled by being in lockdown. They're being controlled by the Spirit of God with the power of God working inside of them. The same thing that's happening to us. Anything good in your life is coming from a supernatural source outside of you into you now you're gonna you're gonna love some of these verses oh they're doing that there's k on the far left yeah far right left far left y'all's left and this is cambodia this was yesterday cambodia time i think which is there 12 or 13 hours ahead of us but uh harvey and k and pat are there and they're these people, Harvey sent a message, he said, listen, you won't believe how hungry they are for the Lord and the miracles that they saw. And all that they're doing is they're going there and they're standing up and they're saying, this is who you are. This is who Jesus is. This is who he is. This is who you are. And God's changing lives. In a, they have like seven different languages they speak in Cambodia. And today they're in India. They're going to India and they're going to stay there for this week and do the same thing again. 
How boring. They go into this place with a bunch of people who don't know their language and they let the Holy Spirit speak through them into those people's lives and God does miracles. God wants to do a miracle for you. You know what changes your life? Is knowing what He thinks about you and believing that and not believing in your own work. Oh, why did I put that picture I have a hard time with this, um, connecting this. Yeah, yeah, that's a C-34. It's an airplane, right? Vintage 1940, 50, 60. They, it, they ended getting used pretty much in the 70s. And uh, that's the runway in uh, Anchorage, Alaska. That's the term. The, runway at the Anchorage International, Anchorage International Airport. That picture was taken in 1977. And uh, I was there in 1977. I worked at that airport on those airplanes, believe it or not. And they looked that bad then, pretty much. I used to look at them and think, what in the world? And uh, they hired me. I was a uh, worked in the warehouse and I was a load master which I didn't even know what that was I think I was 18 maybe years old and uh, they made me like the we ran in 12-hour shifts like seven to seven and somebody had to be there 24 hours a day so you your shifts change but they made me the manager of the warehouse and the, the load master because I was the only guy there that wasn't stoned all the time because I couldn't be stoned all the time because I was an athlete and I didn't smoke and I didn't do that stuff. And uh, I couldn't do math. I didn't know anything. They gave me these papers that told me how to load the airplanes, which I'm like, you know, I was very cocky, so I'm like, sure. Like during my interview, they asked me, they said, uh, the guy that ran the place, he said, uh, do you know how to drive forklifts? I said, of course I do. I never touched one. <laughs> But I figured, how hard could it be, you know? And they had a big forklift that could pick up heavy stuff. And so that next day, after I got hired, uh, I go into work, and he said, uh, go out there and move those uh, crates from there over to the staging area to get ready to get loaded on the airplane. And then he stands there. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. He's going to find out that I don't know how to drive a forklift, and I'm a dead man, and I'm going to get fired today. Well, so I just, act, you know, confidently walk out into the gravel parking lot, uh, climb up into this big forklift, and guess what? It had picture instructions for how to do everything. <laughs> and I'm like, sweet. Now, it wasn't hard to figure out. I can't remember if it had a push button to start or a key, but it wasn't hard to figure out how to start it. And you have foot pedals and you have the deals. And uh, I got in it and took off heading the way it was pointing and I figured out how to work the thing by the time I got to the stuff. And he walked back in the back of the office and, you know, I eventually figured out how to work the thing. But you know what? It was weird. They didn't give me any training, right? Uh, I started that day. And I remember we carried passengers sometimes. Uh, I got an interior picture of it. That's the interior. Uh, we'd put seats in there and carry passengers. Uh, we would carry these big vats that held like a thousand, I don't know, a thousand salmon, and we'd ship salmon. Like, they had open tops. They were just big, like, 
six foot by eight foot long vats and it would be full of salmon that we would fly to get processed to different places and then sometimes we'd put seats in there and carry seats and then one day they uh and there's a piece of paper that told you how to load it you know you had to distribute the weight evenly because if you didn't you're going to crash you know this was a cargo plane and you i don't remember i wrote it down it could carry like ten to 12,000 pounds of weight. And one day they came out and, they, and uh, you know, they would just give me a sheet of paper every morning or evening whenever I got there. This is what's going to be loaded in what order. This is how you do it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. And uh, one day they said, you need to put the gas tanks on it. I'm like, well, where are they at? What are they? <laughs> and they pointed to them, and they were out in the field, and these big stainless steel tanks that they pumped full of a- aviation fuel, and you, the whole inside of the plane just had tank, tank, tank. And, you, and so I'm like, well, it's, it's not that hard. Obviously, this tank's first because it has an outlet, and these tanks are in the middle because they have an outlet and an inlet, and then there's a blast tank. And so I figured it out, and I put it on there, and I'm like, you, you fasten them and you do these bolts, whatever. You put them together. And so I did it. And then I stood back and I looked at it. I'm like, I hope that's right. You know, uh, 20,000 gallons of fuel could be ignited in this plane that I just put on here. And so I remember that day I did that. I loaded the tanks in. And, of course, I, the pilot is responsible for everything. And all of our pilots were old, retired Air Force guys that couldn't get a real job at a real airline. They ended up at Great Northern Airways. And they were a rough group. And uh, the pilot's supposed to inspect stuff, right? But uh, they don't. And so I remember I stood out on the runway and I watched the plane take off that day. And I was so thankful when it didn't explode <laughs> and it took off. And then I remember I was nervous for the next eight hours waiting for it to come back. And it was okay. Grace of God. It sure wasn't my skill level. And then one day they brought me an airplane engine, like an engine like on this plane, which weighed, I think it was over 4,500 pounds, close to 5,000 pounds, all by itself. And that was the only thing I was supposed to put on this plane. And it's, it's on a big pallet. And so, you know, they, they tell you how to do it. Like the center of gravity is here. You need to have this much weight in front, this much behind. They give you the formulas. And so I, I could do that. And I found out exactly where to put this thing. And so I put it. And in this picture, that's the fuselage. There's two, two pilot seats in front of that. And that little, I mean, not the fuselage. That's the bulkhead. It was only like that thick. And it was just plywood or something it wasn't anything substantial and then the pilots are on the other side of that little wall so I put the this engine about two-thirds of the way up was where the balance point was for that and I put it in and then I'm like well how do I strap this down because it was round it was a cylinder you know I'm like hmm and so I put a big net over it and the net, you know, had big bracing. You know, I never looked to see what the pound rating was. or I didn't, They didn't tell me that stuff. And I strapped it down and done, walked away. And uh, they go out and they take off to go deliver that engine wherever it was going, Cotsbue or somewhere in Alaska. And I remember it's like, you know, there's a thing called the law of aerodynamics. 
And uh, there are five laws. Like, you ever thought about it? I don't want to scare you all to death. I don't want you to think this way. Um, every time you fly on an airplane, which probably almost everybody in here has probably flown at least once, when you fly, there's five laws that have to all work together to keep that big hunk of metal in the air. Now, you and I, when we do it, when I go to the airline or go to the airport, and when I get on an airplane, I have chosen by faith to believe that the people that need to know what the law of aerodynamics are, are all doing their job. So when I sit down on that airplane, I put my faith in them, them obeying the law. Right? And that's what you do. And there's not just one. There's the law of weight. Uh, that's, that's interesting. That's a big deal. How much stuff weighs matters. There's the law of lift. And you can study this if you want to. The shape of the wing creates a vacuum which lifts the airplane when it's moving through that air medium. And that you have to have the right law of lift. You have to have the right law of weight. There's the law of thrust. You've got to have the right amount of thrust to push you forward through the air to give you the lift with the weight you have that will actually fly. Now, you don't realize you're putting all your faith, your life in their hands that they know these laws and that they're obeying them. Then there's another law. It's the law of drag, which uh, everything going through a medium has drag that's happening. And they, they have to figure out how much drag, how much thrust and lift is going to take to go through this air. And so we all have tough faith, right? We fly. We choose to believe that they're obeying the law. What happens if one of those laws is not being obeyed? All of them have to be perfectly obeyed or that airplane's not going to fly. And I remember that day. Now, I'm just, you know, an 18, 19-year-old kid, but I was pretty mean and cocky. But I remember that day I put that airplane engine on that plane and did the best I could, I'm fully aware that they didn't train me at all. And uh, when that plane comes back and lands, which I always knew, I was running the warehouse, so I knew when planes were landing and taking off. When that plane gets back, I can hear the captain cussing and screaming my name. Now, I just thought, I was just a mean, cocky, redneck southern boy. I was like... Uh, good you want to fight let's go at it big guy I didn't back down so I walked out and he's coming he's like fast walking across the gravel and he is screaming at me and he said you almost killed us all I'm like I didn't know I was flying the plane <laughs> I thought you were the pilot I don't I don't even know how to fly I didn't realize that you have to obey the, all the laws and when I tied that cylinder down I didn't tie it good enough and when he landed when he went down into his descent it rolled forward and the net caught it before it crashed them or it crashed through their little plywood wall and I didn't show it but I almost killed those people because I didn't obey all the law and you see that, that when you start living by the law of performance, 
You can't do it. Nobody can. But you know what? There's another law of grace that does. You know what happened that day? The grace of God. I think those two times, the fuel and that mo- that engine shifting, it was the grace of God that helped me not destroy people. And I was very thankful, you know. I don't think I thanked God then. I didn't recognize it was God. I just thought, oh, I was lucky. No, it's God's grace. And uh, here's the thing. We get to choose. There's the currency in both kingdoms. The kingdom of the world has a currency and it's performance. It's doing things right. It's getting everything according to the law. And that's the currency in that kingdom. And there's another kingdom that's greater than that kingdom, which currency is based on love and grace and faith. I want to live in his kingdom that supersedes ours. And I believe that when we do that, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light has a ruler has a king and he's God and he's Jesus, Holy Spirit, and he loves you. And mo- some of you last week got to experience his love in real ways. A lot of us did. People giving and the people receiving both experienced a loving father. There's a, someone else that rules that other kingdom, which is based off of performance and works. And he's here to kill, destroy, and to steal. That's his name. So, Alan, how can you say there's a way out of the desert? Because there is. A good God would always have a way out. That's why you're not limited to your prescription or your diagnosis or your own wisdom or what the world says. We, we live in a world that's not limited by those things. We live in a world whose God is he, the king. And he loves us. And so I, I think of that, and it's like, you know, it's really true. Because when you look in, you look in uh, shoot, a hundred verses, you know, the truth was we were dead in our, in Ephesians 2, right? We read this last week. You're, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You messed up. You broke the law. You didn't perform properly. Oh, your mother only loves you when you do exactly what she wants you to do? That's not our God. Your boss gets mad at you if you don't perform exactly like he wants you to? That's not God. God doesn't live by the law of performance. That's the tree that brings death and bondage in our world. He said, listen, you were dead. And obviously you're not dead. You're just experiencing the pain of not living in the God's kingdom, but living in this kingdom. He said, when you used to follow the ways of this world, you know what the ways of this world is? Judgment, punishment, shame. That's why I love that song. Absolutely true. You have no shame for any fruit coming out of your life. Does a desert need to be ashamed because nothing's growing in it? No. When it rains, it'll grow. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happening in your life right now, it's determined by what, where you're living. It's not who you are. I love what Shauna says. You're a good garden to those kids. She teaches them. You know what? You're a good garden. I, I love this thing. 
It's seed digging is based on a simple analogy. It's simple of a garden and teaches children. What a great thing to teach children. You have a beautiful garden and inside their heart, you are a beautiful garden. But in your heart, there's weeds that get planted and there's flowers that get planted. What an easy analogy. But how true it is. Every discomfort, every pain, every brokenness, every bondage comes from somewhere where we're disconnected from God. And that's why I said something last week that was a little shocking. I said that adultery is not sin. What I'm talking about is that the seed that somehow got planted in my heart that causes me to behave this way, that's the problem. The problem is why am I in bondage to this? That's what he says. The Spirit, when we follow the ways of this world, when you live by the, the effort, self-effort and self-determination and that performance-based thing, when you live that way, when your faith is in that, you're going to be in bondage to the ruler of that kingdom. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to kill, he's going to steal, and he's going to destroy. And you know, it's easy to see that there's a spiritual power at work. There's light and there's darkness, and we get to choose where we live. One you live by faith, one you live by self-effort. It's really hard because our natural tendency is to live by self-effort. But when you live by self-effort, guess what happens? The kingdom, okay, you follow the ways of this world. When you choose to live by your own self-effort, not by faith, then what happens? The ruler of the kingdom of the air, small r, not God Almighty, the devil usurping God's place in our life if we let him, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We say the disobedience, and it's hard to understand this. Okay, do this with me. I said this to somebody this, the other day. You mothers, I love mothers. I love fathers too. You're really great. Uh, but mothers in particular usually have the nurturing side with the kid, right? The child, <laughs> The baby, the precious little baby. I, I like kids. I like babies. Um, I told to a mother, I said, listen, I have this great idea. This would be a great idea. What if I had the power to make your baby never have a fever again? Sounds like a great idea. I still have three minutes. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know who I'm making fun of, but that's okay. It may be my car. No, it's not. Good. Um, would that be a great idea? Now, don't answer quick because I don't want you to look stupid. All right? Because I've thought this through a lot. What if I made every baby in this room that we're connected with as family never have another fever? On the surface... That sounds like a good idea. But the truth is, you wouldn't know when your baby's sick. They may have meningitis. They might have a simple cold. They may have something more serious. Because fevers expose that there's a viral something going on inside of your kid. And it may be nothing, but it may be a lot. 
you know, uh, y'all noticed uh, Pastor Tim's wearing a, a big beanie, right? <laughs> he had, uh, me and him both, we're like, it's so funny, we both, we both have had cancer removed uh, on our, actually, I didn't have on my head, on my arm, and he had it on his ear, and uh, you know how you go to dermatologists and they look at you and they find stuff, and it's almost like you guys that can judge really good, you do that, and you're like, uh. well, we both had something, and they took it off, which is good, mine was uh, a lot less um, intrusive than Tim's, and also it's on my arm, so it's a whole lot easier to deal with, but uh, it was cancer. And uh, they told me, and, and Tim told me more, actually gave me a little impression, that if they hadn't have seen it when it was little and taken it off, it would have gotten in my bloodstream and maybe in my bones, and it'll kill you. I was like, oh, oh, I'm glad they got that out of there. You know, the truth is, you take fevers away from babies, and you may not find the thing that was trying to destroy them. You see, adultery is what shows up whenever we're following the ways of the world, when we're not living by faith. You know, it's like, because we know this, God has made us alive. He's where life comes from. And when you believe what He believes, when you walk by faith, he releases his power inside of our bodies and into this world to bring life. Whenever we live by self-effort and by performance-based thinking, when we live that way, it puts us in bondage to a, to a spirit, the ruler of the kingdom of this world, that will cause a fever in our bodies. And the fever may look like anger, it may look like depression, it may look like a thousand different things, selfishness, maybe it look like overworking addictions the fevers look a thousand ways thank god for the fever so guys i would never pray for your babies to never have fever ever that's the wrong prayer i would pray that god would expose the viruses expose the infection expose the meningitis god expose that because we can heal they can get healed guys we focus on, we call the wrong thing sin. And so, and we know this is true. God made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you're saved through faith. You know what releases the power of God in your life? When you stand back by faith and you say, God, I agree with you about what you say about me. And I agree with you about what you say about you. And then we go on this journey the rest of our lives with discovering who we really are. And I told you, one of my recent ones, uh, when I, y'all understand this because you do, right? Um, I, I believed a lie about myself. I did. I believed it. And it was negative. And it hurt. And it affected my behavior the enemy was ruling in my life for that. And the grace of God didn't let him destroy me with it. But I believed it. And it was so simple. It was like, that is, it was, it's almost so simple. My mind, I don't even want to admit it was true. I remember I got prayed for. And that kid in Guatemala prayed for me, which is funny. On the, on the computer, on Skype, on the computer thing. And uh, he's praying for me. And it was like, 
oh my gosh, I, my whole life I believe the truth that I can't do it. And you're thinking, well, that's, that, that doesn't bother you. It doesn't bother you? Yeah, it does, because it wasn't true. I had decided I can't do it. I can't communicate. I can't speak well. I can't write. I had decided that when I was a little kid because of the circumstances of my life. And it was a screaming voice in my head, and I hated it. I hated it. But it was true. And when, I, when that kid prayed for me, and we get to this memory where, I, where that happened to me, it was about writing. <laughs> you know, writing. You, know, you, you get graded for writing when you're little. And I still can't write hardly at all, but it was just bad. And I hated it. I hated not being able to write. And I decided, I finally just gave up. I said, I just can't do it. Can't. There are things in your life you think you can't do. And where you're judging yourself. Yeah, I'm not alone. What, can you, what do you struggle with? Well, that was controlling me. There was a spirit because I couldn't perform. I couldn't do what I thought I should be able to do. And you know, when I got healed that day, it was painful. The Lord healed me in such a simple way. Jesus came to me and he said, I never asked you to do that. And all the pressure left. All the anger left. All the pain left. I just needed to hear his opinion of me. And it was different than my opinion of me. Do you know, do you see yourself the way he sees you? Honestly, we're all still on that journey. There's still places where I don't see myself the way I, he sees me. There's places where I don't see you the way he sees you. You know, he loves you. He thinks you're wonderful. He admires you. He's proud of you. You know, we sing that song. We were thinking everything from our past, we're not ashamed of. I forget that line, Lisa, whatever that line was. But I was like thinking, I was like, I'm like, well, you know, my past is everything in my life from now back. <laughs> everything. Like this morning, yesterday, 50 years ago, some of you 70 years ago, right? And I'm like, wait, now that's not my past anymore. Now my past is 1154 back. <laughs> Do you know that God has already set you free and forgiven you and He doesn't see you based on the way you performed? He sees you based on how He created you and who's inside of you and your potential. And the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And our goal isn't to die. Our goal is to live for Christ. What a great word line in that song. We, do, you know, it's not about dying. It's about living. Paul said, offer your bodies, offer your flesh to him as a living sacrifice. And you can't do that if you're judging that your flesh is no good or is damaged or you're ashamed of it. Or you, you know, uh, one of the ushers gave me a word this morning. Uh, he's not in the room. Good. Uh, oh, he is. Shoot. <laughs> I just saw it. He is in here. He gave me a word this morning and he basically said, listen, quit doubting the way you communicate. Well, that's a little harsh. You could say it in a more loving way. You could have been positive and said, you know, I see God is really going to help you really believe in yourself and how you communicate. And then how he said it. 
He said it the way God would say it to me, which is the way I communicate. Guys, you know God is just as proud of you as he is of anyone in the world. He said he's as proud of you as he is of his own son, Jesus. That you were born of the same womb. The spirit inside of you, the same. When Jesus rose from the dead, so did you. We're not in the grave. That We are not in the grave. The same spirit that works in Christ works inside of you. You know what controls it? Whether we believe it or not. So every day you get to choose what you believe. I say read the scriptures and discover yourself. Look at especially the gospels. And then, you know, read, look and see who Jesus says you are. And he'll say, he says things like this. You were born, you're my brother. Identical twin brother. The same spirit that lives in me lives in you. I'm one with God and God's one with me and I'm one with you and you're one with me. That's what he says. So your voice is perfect for him. Just like his voice was perfect for the Father. Guys, you're good. And God's good. Now, what do you choose to believe? Some of us need to repent. And the real word for repent is change the way we think. That, but it takes an encounter with Jesus. I couldn't change the way I thought. In my heart, that was true. I can't do it. But when Jesus said he wasn't asking me to be like that, the pressure left. You know, God wants you to be you. And you need to find out what he thinks about you. You do. And when you do, when you believe, it releases his power in your life. I have a lot more verse scriptures today we're not going to do. I'd like to do them all if y'all have another couple hours. But it's okay. Uh, I believe that Jesus did what he wants to do this morning. I believe he wants to challenge you to believe him. To live by faith. You know, um, we wonder what sin is. You know, the Bible tells us in a lot of ways. But this is my favorite. He who doubts is condemned if he eats. This is a passage in Romans. Y'all can look it up about eating and judging people. Because he, did not, he does not eat from faith. And then Paul makes this statement. Whatever is not from faith is sin. And that's what puts us in bondage to that dark ruler of this world. Whatever is not faith is sin. See, it matters what you believe. How do you get saved? By believing. How do you sin? By believing the wrong thing. Believing in self-effort. Believing in self-judgment. Believing in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's sin. And when you walk that path, there's a ruler pulling your chain. And God is in charge. He won't let him kill you. He wants us to come home. He wants to transform our minds to see like he sees. So today, I, I want to give you hope. It doesn't matter what you have. There's a reason. Anything in our lives, every darkness, every pain, every suffering in the world comes from somewhere we're not believing. 
And God is the rev- who reveals that to us, gives us revelation. So this morning, uh, I'm going to ask God to help you see. And sometimes we need help. I get people to, like, I had a 14-year-old kid pray for me that day when he, God healed that in my heart about, I can't, I can't do it. That was a kid. Sometimes we need help. I needed help that day. Maybe you need help. That's fine. There's people here <laughs> that easily would help you. Well, ask for it. Ask your small group leader. Ask your ministry or ask one of the pastors. Ask a prophetic team member. Ask for help because God will set you free. Amen? So let's all stand up. Uh, I... Uh, I was. I was afraid to tell you. Actually, Brian, it actually you helped me when you um, said that this morning. It's really hard for me to say the truth because I know there's so many of us that believe we're victims. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Yeah, but I've been diagnosed with ADHD and I've been diagnosed with bipolar and I've been diagnosed with blah, 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 blah. I I believe the Bible. Now, I'm not saying those things aren't there. They're there. But where they come from isn't your self-effort or your DNA. They don't come from, you're not in bondage to your past. No longer does shame control us. Jesus has paid the way. What he did is greater than anything I'll ever undo. And I know that's hard because I know in our world, our scientific world, we make statements that, and you know, if you believe that, that's okay. But I know what happens when you follow Jesus. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit comes from Him and Him alone. You see, He really is the answer to everything we have. If you're worried, you need Jesus. If you're afraid, you need Jesus. And it's not that you don't have Him. There's just somewhere where you need to believe. And you can't do it without Him. It all comes from Him. It's His faith. It's what He believes. So, Father, I just ask today that we would all uh, grow inside in, in our trust and our faith and our belief, God, that you would really get bigger inside of us than anything the world says or anything we say. So God, I ask today that you would expose each that thing inside of each one of us. If there's somewhere inside of our hearts where we're still judging ourselves, God, I know that you reveal that stuff. So if there's something you want to reveal now, today, Lord, I ask that you would do it inside of our hearts. So God, I ask you to give each one of us courage to go after what you're showing us. And that you would give us hope again. God, I ask that you'd give us, we'd be able to believe in you and your power, and your goodness. So God, open our eyes to see. 
So God, help each of us to make a decision today to go take another step with you. So God, would you just show us what it is we need to do to take that step, to take the next step with you today. What do we need to do? So I believe God's showed you something. Uh, I'd encourage you, take the next step. and Take the next step. Take the next step. And if it's not good, it's not over yet. That's another line from one of the songs today. Songwriters, they hear stuff, don't they? Uh, if it's not over, if it's not good, it's not over. And uh, God is good all the time. All right, we have teams up here that would love to help you. So they'll be, uh, they would love to pray with you this morning. Uh, go after. Don't settle for what the world tells you. Go after life. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today. Be careful going home. Bye-bye. <laughs>